Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today, I speak with Darlington Kabatende from Rwanda. Darlington is a regional director at Jibu, where he oversees a network of locally owned franchises that provide safe drinking water, clean cooking fuel, and other essential products across Rwanda, DRC, Uganda, and Kenya. He previously held sales and operations management roles at Zola Electric and Unilever. Darlington and I spoke about shifting from an individual contributor to a people manager, how he builds relationships with franchise owners, and how Jibu has empowered local entrepreneurs to adapt their business model to their market context. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Darlington. Welcome to the Everyday Leader podcast. Really excited to speak with you today. Welcome to our show. I'm excited. Thank you so much for the invites. Uh, I'm looking forward. Great. So you serve as the managing director for Jibu uh, in Rwanda and DRC Goma. Uh, but before we get into your current role and company, I want to take us back to maybe early in your career where you first found yourself st- stepping up as a manager or a leader. Can you tell us more about that early career experience and uh, how you felt about stepping up as a leader for the first time? Well, I, I look back. I look back when I started taking, looking at myself as a leader, I actually didn't know that I was in such a position. This was when I was working with um, Unilever in Uganda as a, as, a, as, a, as a key distributor manager for one of the, for one of the distributors in, in Uganda. Um, before that, I was basically a supply chain and a procurement specialist where I didn't even manage people. I was just in, my desk and making sure that you know things are done and are sourced and are delivered and, and there's value for money. But when I went to Unilever, I was there was an opportunity that I think I, I went into an opportunity. Little did I know that I was actually stepping up to be a leader. I had not even realized my you know like my 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 talent or my skill or this just came in and I was managing a team of 12 people. Uh, these were different salespeople, uh, drivers, operational guys, and we were managing uh, a distribution and the territory where we would really provide essential goods. So this time is when I actually realized, oh, okay, I have a team I'm managing, and uh, somehow it it flowed. But what I saw more importantly there was there was so much to learn. When you're a leader, on the other side is you actually don't know as much, even if you're in this space of leadership. Uh, it is that time when I really uh, stepped up and I'm like, okay, I have a responsibility to lead the team. I have a responsibility to, to, to learn from them as well. And, uh, and here I am. So that was my experience. And it was way back as 2012, 2013, uh, when I really got into this space. And from then, uh, leadership has really been uh, or my current experience has really exposed me to leadership. And from then I've been able to manage teams, uh, wide teams of people from different uh, interactions and diversity. So yeah, that is, uh, that, that's, that's, uh, that's when I really remember that now I had, uh, I have, I have this platform to be able to be, to be a leader and to, to, to take the lead and, uh, uh, manage people and manage performance. And, uh, 
and people see me as one who can be able to take them to the next step. Fantastic. You, you, you mentioned how you moved from a procurement role to then Unilever, where you then were overseeing a team uh, for, for one of the first times in your career. Yes. And yes. I'm curious at the time, if you can remember, did you actively seek out or want to manage a team, like in a team manager role? Uh, or, you know, did, did you consider staying in an individual contributor role? Because I know a lot of people think about, okay, there's ways to grow in terms of salary and expertise and mastering whatever your trade is. And you can do that in individual contributor roles, but you can also be people managers. And uh, I'm wondering if you had thought about this intentionally or was it kind of the only path that you saw for growth? Yeah, I, I actually uh, was more of a, a procurement and a person who sits on the desk and ensure that this, this organization earns value. But after that, there is, a, there, is, there, is a, there is an interest that I always loved and uh, I always loved to, be, to do sales. Uh, there was an opportunity for me where I was managing a project and uh, I was trying to interest people to buy land and build houses. And uh, so this was a job that, it was not even a job, it was, it was a side hustle, I could say. Like you finish your eight to five job, then you go out there to look for, how can I, how can I make extra income? So there was this project that I was doing and I was given a responsibility to really uh, manage a project, but not only manage that project and make sure that you actually are uh, able to, you know, to bring in clients and they buy and then build and, you know, like that kind of thing. And there was always some commission or a sales commission attached to that. So I was like, I think I can do this. Little did I know that I was actually unearthing um, a very good, a very good skill that I have. So I did it while I, was, I had my eight to five job. And the time came uh, because of circumstances uh, that uh, were there. Uh, I had to leave my eight to five job and uh, I had to seek another opportunity. And there was this opportunity to be a sales and operations manager at one of the key distributors of Unilever in Uganda. It is then that I actually um, coupled with what I was doing uh, after my eight to five job. I realized, well, I think I can sell. I can sell Reiko. I, I used to go out with the team and say, guys, it is important for us. If you have 50,000 uh, 50, bricks, you can actually buy a Reiko. You can also buy a blue band. You can also, you know, in the little resources, in the little money you have, you can spread the SKUs. So I realized this came in very flawlessly. Uh, I realized that I was enjoying it. I realized that I could even do it an extra. And then the team liked what I was doing. And then from there, they followed me. They're like, oh, we want to go with Darlington to, to the market. Hey, we want to go, we want Darlington to shadow us. And it's from then that now I, I realized the skill of, of selling. Now, it is then, it is then that, that that I had not known that brought me to, 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 to really realize my potential as not only a salesperson, but also as a leader, because then I had a, a team of five, six, seven people who were like, no, we want, you to, we want you to shadow us. We want you because then I read it's not only a skill, but it's also the following how you do things and how you coach and how you execute. That leads now 
exposed me to real leadership. And uh, I, I, that's, I would say, was it experience or was it circumstance? But I can, I don't know how you can put that together, but I know that is a step that took me to, 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 to now uh, the field of leadership, but not the leadership, uh, also making sure that some of these skills of sales, of operating, of getting into the trenches and showing people and shadowing them, that's now that put me to that step of, of leadership. So it sounds like you had this kind of natural affinity to uh, being yes. resourceful and, and knowing how to um, hustle and sell items and knowing how to market it and, and uh, go to the right types of buyers, whether that was uh, real estate or whether that was fast moving consumer goods. And because yes. you were naturally good at this, um, other people saw that and wanted to learn from you and you were able to then uh, provide that kind of practical uh, guidance alongside them and, and be willing to go and shadow them and support them. And yes. I'm curious, you know, it, so it sounds very much like a leading by example uh, yes. method. And as you now had a team under you, um, how did you make that switch from uh, leading by example and, and doing the pitching and, and showing and training people to being more of a hands-off coach? Because I know some people, myself included, when you are naturally good at something, it's always easier to do it yourself uh, rather than training someone and watching them do it maybe at first not as good as you. And it, it like, how do you, how did you make that switch to learning how to step back and empower your team to actually start selling? Yeah. Um, it, that's a good, a good question. Most people are better doing it than actually showing other people how to do it. But I realized as the, as, as the role, as the work became more, as the role became more expanded, I realized I couldn't do this. And, uh, and through, through a lot of mentoring, through a lot of uh, uh, guidance, it came to me that, uh, it came to me uh, that leadership, uh, leadership can only be successful as long as you, you're also learning. Now, as a person, I always felt like, I want to be a leader. I want to take the leadership role. So it became that you cannot, you cannot succeed unless you teach how people to do things. And then I also noticed that you can never work alone. It came to my mind that it is important that people wanted to learn from me. So naturally, it moved away from me doing things, but now showing people how to do things and then shadowing them and then it led me to create more people knowing how to do it. And then it became, you know, a, a, a ripple effect, like, you know, it, it works by automatically. So I realized that the more I have people supporting me, the more whatever I will be doing then is sustainable, the more there is an opportunity for you to move to another level. So somehow it came, it, it, it worked that way. Uh, because I realized that you cannot sell in a whole territory alone. You cannot market in a whole. You have to work with others. And then because people wanted to follow me and already wanted to show me, I said, guys, okay, let me show you how to do it. And naturally, people could pick. I said, okay, today I'm going to show you how to do it. Tomorrow, you are going to do it as I shadow you. And somehow, a number of small leaders, small team leaders, 
started coming up that way. But to answer your question specifically, it was just more about how can I make this sustainable? The only way I could make it sustainable was showing others how to do it. And then now I moved to another level. And perhaps this is, this is, that is because, or that this is why I'm here. Otherwise, if I'd continue doing it that way, then there was no room for growth. There was no more aspiration. I wouldn't be more aggressive. I wouldn't be more hungry, look for more opportunities. So that's what uh, I was able to, you know, to do, just to make sure. I want it to be sustainable. I want you to learn. So let me show you. And then now, once everybody knew that there was always another opportunity for me to. Now, sales uh, is notoriously hard. It sounds like you found it uh, manageable and you were able to uh, empower and train others to also master the art of sales. But it doesn't work for everyone. So I can only imagine that you had different team members in your sales team at, at various points uh, on multiple companies or at multiple companies that it just didn't work yeah. out, that they weren't able to hit their targets or they weren't able to really uh, grasp yeah. uh, the, the salesmanship they needed to succeed. And can you maybe share more about how you as a manager and as a leader uh, were able to um, you know, deal with that situation where maybe you needed to show them that there was not a good fit, uh, that they needed to either leave the company or find a different type of role. How did you deal with that uh, as a manager? Well, that's, that's a realistic question that sales, sales is, not everybody finds it fun. Uh, I think there's so much that uh, you have to go through to really crack a deal or be able to, to, to close a sale or be able to hit your target. For me, uh, I, I looked at sales as a journey. Uh, I looked at sales as the only uh, field to, to really bring out your real, your, real, your real skill, your real attributes. What are you able to do? Where's your strength? Where's your weakness? When you're in the field of sales, there are a lot of challenges in sales because people have attitude. People have, they'll throw anything at you. Uh, they may think that you know it really exposes you to the real, real life of survival. That's number one. Number two, iPhone sells as a, as, 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 a, as a job or as something to do that is not boring. Sales is never boring. Every day has a great challenge. Every day there's an opportunity. Every day you meet different people. Every day there is, the way it was yesterday is not the way it is today. As you move this journey of sales and mingling with people and you meet so much. And therefore with that so much, within that so much, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of challenge. It also makes you discover yourself as what am I good at? It is true along this, this, this journey of sales, there could be people who actually discovered their talent. Some of them realize that I can be a very good trainer. Another one can be, I'm very good at influencing. Others that say, I can, I'm good at sales and sales and tactics. So through this, then as a leader, you are able to say, okay, the team I have, they are actually different strengths and weaknesses. Let's capitalize on the strengths. So you, Darlington, you're very good at managing relationships. So that person moves that way. So within my team, I was able to allocate people by their strengths. Of course, those that stayed who could actually manage the trail and manage the, 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 the territories and they the, the enjoy what they are doing, those 
or a state. But along this uh, group of people or a team, you are able to allocate and say, okay, I can be able to see, I can look at someone and see that this person is very good. Of course, there could be also those who drop off. There are those who drop. But the whole journey is that you are able to identify potentials, you are able to identify weaknesses in the team, you're able to identify strengths, and that way you allocate them where they are. You set them, you see, I, I usually say, you set them up for success by allocating them to the fields. And of course, there are those who drop off. That's how life is. They drop off, they, they can't handle, and, but those that stay now really become real warriors in the world we are. So, so let's fast forward now to your current company at Jibu, uh, where you've been yes. working for a number of years. And, and you mentioned that you uh, moved from a managing director for a region, and now you are a regional director and you oversee operations across a large swath of markets. Uh, tell us more, you know, what is Jibu all about and what does your role currently entail? Uh, okay, good. Thanks. Uh, Jibu is a, is a social enterprise organization that uh, uses franchising as its business model in a, in a number of countries, but to be specific in Rwanda, uh, DRC Goma, and Kenya. So what Jibu does, it, 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 it is really an opportunity company where it empowers local entrepreneurs with ownership. Therefore, if we are a franchisor, like we as Jibu are a franchisor, we bring on um, uh, different em- entrepreneurs who now become our franchisees. We empower them and we capitalize them. And these are people who are in their local communities, uh, but who are aspiring to be very good entrepreneurs. So with this model, we are able now to introduce um, uh, our, our business model, which is now uh, uh, water, the water, uh, LPG, and uh, food that are necessary for human, for human body. So this kind of business is, is what we do. So we empower local entrepreneurs. We, 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 we catalyze social impact through franchising. We are able to create livelihood and empower wellness through the products that we serve. And, and, and that all is... Uh, Put in one in in one in one in one business uh, opportunity, which is now franchising. So we uh, we 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 ensure that we have a number of entrepreneurs across our operations that are able to that are able to to you know to bring up their entrepreneurial entrepreneurial skills through through owning their own business, but running the standard of Jibu. Uh, which I would say in a nutshell, that's the franchising. We give them an opportunity to make money. We give them an opportunity to, uh, to, 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 to increase their skills in entrepreneurship. We, we give them an opportunity to be able to thrive through the product that they sell. We train them. Um, they are able to, to really uh, uh, give impact social impact by creating opportunities and other jobs to the people that they work with in the local community and through that we are able to 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 improve livelihoods and uh, improve wellness of of, of of our communities and 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 that's what jibu does so that's that's how so my current role is more of uh, number one ensuring that those those franchises are thriving Thriving how? 
thriving by executing the business model well, uh, executing the operations well, ensuring that the products that they have reach the consumer uh, across the territories and across the network that they have. That's on one side. On the other side, I'm also responsible to manage Jibu in these operating countries as leadership. So my role is to really have direction uh, and create profitability for the company through, through the franchisees. So there is, so I have to balance it, manage franchisees to be able to execute the job, but also manage the Jibuko staff to be able to show and uh, be able to, you know, to, to, to lead these franchisees to the thriving, uh, yeah, to, to make sure that now they are really thriving, they can, they can, the business is sustainable at franchisee level, and it's also sustainable at the, at, at the Jibuko level. You know, franchising is is uh, an interesting leadership uh, topic, right? Uh, because you had previously managed teams directly. You still do in your role, but at previous companies, you know, your focus was direct management of, of salespeople and then later on operations. And you were able to have uh, that direct relationship where you had the, the higher fire Yes, <laughs> ability, and you yes. could really uh, play a direct leadership role. Now, how does yeah. that differ from your relationship with franchisees? Because they're entrepreneurs and part owners in their own right. So, how do you strike yeah. this balance between enabling them and training them and supporting them to thrive, while also uh, kind of holding them accountable to targets that uh, will help you as a wider company succeed? Yeah. Um... It's a challenge, uh, Chris, it is a challenge, uh, but it's also an opportunity. For me, I find it as an opportunity because it challenges me every day. Like you say, right now, I'm managing business partners as opposed before I was managing directly people as running, I, I was running business directly. Uh, the way this, uh, I have been able to uh, uh, bring this to this level is that with my with my previous experience i have earned a lot of experience in terms of really getting into the trenches and knowing how it is done because i've worked with fmcgs i've worked with uh, all these businesses that are out there making sure that their profit margins are, are growing their targets are good so with that skill i come with it now and and that's and that's how it's very interesting that when you get experience, when you learn through experience, when you're given an opportunity uh, and exposure to execute, there is a lot of experience that is not academic, but it's real hands-on. It is real hands-on. And, and you can tell a story. You can demonstrate what you have done before to show, uh, to show the results. On this other side, we have franchisees who actually want to thrive, they want to make money, but perhaps they even don't know how to do it. Now here at Darlington I come, is that I have done it before and I have someone who is willing and learning to do it. And all I need to do is to be able to show the person how to do it. I, I do the coaching, I do the mentoring, I show you and then you do it. Now, what comes in between this now is more about now how do you manage the relationship? Whereas a franchising, you have a franchisee who has his own business but is using your standard operating procedure and your brand to execute the job. But there's always, there are always guardrails. There is what are the guiding factors that brings us together? That's the franchisor and the franchisee. What is it that brings you into, into partnership? 
It means that you have to have someone who is skilled and who knows how this is done, regardless of, 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 of the brand, but how is this done? Because what you want a franchisee to do is just to execute what you think is right. That's how you're executing and implementing the business model. So for me, I find it, uh, I found it a challenge, but then I've also found it as an opportunity to say, how can I bring this skill that I've learned over the years, mentor it, show it, create leadership and let the person do it. So that is now relationship. There's now another trait, another attribute of managing relationship, because my job is to ensure that there is a very good relationship between the franchisee and the franchisor. The franchisee is doing what he's supposed to do according to the standard operating procedures, but I'm also there to guide them because I have done it. So that marriage of, 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 of being a leader and of being a salesperson and executing, bringing it and now managing it with, with, um, with, with, with these, with these uh, franchisees, it becomes a very good marriage because they are willing to learn from us. They are willing to learn from me. Yes, absolutely. I think you, you nailed it. Uh, and, and what stood out to me was, um, as, as really important, is what you mentioned on uh, having that agreement and having a clear understanding between the franchisor and the franchisee on what are the kind of guidelines and parameters and, and what is guiding this business relationship. Uh, and I imagine that the selection and screening process yes. is very important to make sure that you are only bringing on franchisees that will um, you know, be on board with this type of uh, relationship and be open to the coaching when things uh, are challenging. Now, yes. Um, yes. I'd love to, to hear about this recent shift that you've made. You mentioned you were a managing director for Rwanda and DRC, and now you have taken on some additional responsibility. So can you tell us what intentional shifts that you've had to make in your leadership style to make sure that you are stepping up with this new level of responsibility? Yeah, uh, what my past experience with the Jibu Rwanda and DRSC um, again uh, comes, to, uh, comes from the layers of progress that I have had because um, uh, what I've done in Rwanda was more, uh, more really to be very collaborative. The, the model can only succeed if you have uh, successful franchises or people who understand the model. They are the right people with the right thinking uh, and they can be able to do exactly what the model uh, uh, has. So over the time, I have been able to get the right franchises with the right thinking and who are willing to try and execute the model. So for the last three years, I've been working on that. Not only have I done that, I've also been able to build capacity at Jibuko level because this, our, our job as a franchisor is to be able to really equip, train, capitalize, and then be able to monitor and do the shadowing and do a lot of training but we also have to be the master of this business model because we will get a lot of questions, a lot of guy, uh, people will always come back. So how do I do this already? So what I've done, what I did and what I'm doing is that I was able to build a very good uh, capacity. Uh, that is by building leaders, uh, ensuring that the organizational structure in terms of what are the key 
key, key, key departments that oversee the entire operation. So I built leadership at the GBCO level. Now from there, I was able to also mentor and have the right franchises with the right thinking who can execute the model. Now, coupled with that, having the right franchises and having the right team and giving them the good direction and the good leadership and decision-making was able, that was enabled me to take off very fast. And because that took a while, but once, it, once everybody grasped it, then we were able to grow very fast. That, that is what they now gave me uh, an opportunity, or that's what gave my supervisors or my leaders to say, well, the fact that you've been able to put Rwanda and DRC to this level, we have, you have built capacity, you have built leaders, you have a following, people understand the business, let's give you more, let's challenge you more. And that's how I ended up uh, overseeing another operation, which um, I've not really, I've not been there for a while, but uh, I think the horizon is good. And uh, that's exactly now what I'm doing. So I would say, number one is to really understand the business. Number two is to build capacity to be able to support you, build leaders who can really, that now you can pass on the responsibility to, to execute. And number three, um, uh, be able to recruit, uh, train on board and shadow the right franchises who have the right thinking, who have the agility and the entrepreneurship mindset to be able to execute the model and those who have actually done it even those who are struggling have been able to come up to speed but now the business is thriving in these two countries and that's the same mindset and the same skill and the same uh, methodology that i am taking to the other country to be able to show them that hey look here what we have done can we try it with my guidance and see where we can go so you've worked uh, now in a couple different countries. You you worked yourself in Uganda earlier in your career, and then uh, you you are from Rwanda and, and have been overseeing Chibu uh, in Rwanda and also in DRC. And now you are expanding that uh, uh, responsibility. How is it in terms of different uh, markets and different types of culture? Uh, how have you approached? different uh, markets and culture in your work? Because each you know, style, each person really has their own uh, unique um, culture and personalities. How have you gone about that? And is there any maybe stories you have on where you either um, didn't uh, read the situation properly or there was a learning curve for you? Um, um, yeah, yes, there's, there's, always, there's always a learning curve in this journey, but one of the things that has been really of, 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 of an advantage is that the countries that have operated are more East African countries. Uh, they are East African countries. There's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of characteristics and features that they share in common. Uh, even the language, you may really have uh, an issue of language, but all these three three countries, apart from DRC, which I will talk on more to be to be inclined more to your question, is that most of the three countries, Uganda, Rwanda, and Kenya, is that at least there's a one unifying language. We all speak English. Uh, to a greater extent, Rwanda, I mean Uganda and Kenya speak a lot of English. Uh, Rwanda, not so much, but uh, uh, 
our market is i i as a leader i'm able to speak the native language which and I, i'm also able to speak english which becomes very easy for me to, to to relate with and be able to interpret it just to answer some of the challenges or, or what i would see the other advantage uh, i see is that some of the challenges that you see in one country could actually be opportunities in the other country so that mindset that can be able to trickle and say okay i saw this as in, in i saw this as a challenge in country a but here it's such an opportunity i'll give you an example if you look at the the the, the, uh, the governance uh, the country governance in 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 uganda you would find that the government in the gov the country governance may not really be as supportive depending on the product and the business as opposed to the other country in rwanda the policies are very good because businesses thrive uh, you don't have to go through a lot of back doors and here uh, and something you you make an application you execute something people are accommodative people understand people are hospitable and you thrive in another country it's more now aggressive so those things that you can be able to to use you pick from one market and use them on the other market what challenges in market a could actually be an opportunity in market b but you are you must have the mindset to see how how am i able going to use this challenge as an opportunity to the other to the other market but again what is uh, interesting that these are african countries east african countries they have the same traits the market may differ here and there depending on the disposable income on the gdp on the country's um, uh, incomes and, uh, and and poverty lines all those make all those made made happen but it also goes on how do you define your business what's your market proposition how do you how do you position your product or how do you position your balance to fit a market that is that needs your that needs your business or needs your product all these being that they are east african countries speak the same language share a lot of co commonalities that has actually not seen me uh, uh, uh really uh have a big challenge i could say there could be minor challenges but I've seen this uh, thrive. And for Jibu to be specific, we have Jibu Uganda, we have Jibu Kenya, and we have Jibu Rwanda. The standard could actually cut across, but of course the adaptability may, it, may, may be trickled here and there to be able to fit a certain market segment. But I can tell you that most of the, the traits and the futures of these markets uh, are similar. Now, to turn it to the other side is a little different from Congo because in Congo, people speak French, speak Swahili, and uh, and and this language barrier has actually now been a little bit of a challenge for me, uh, but not again as a challenge because the model only advocates the franchisee model we are using is that it only allows local entrepreneurs. That means when we take Djibouti to 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 Congo we promote and uh, onboard people from congo we don't onboard people from uganda or, or from any other country our model and our vision is to promote local entrepreneurs within that territory or within that person so so that has not really been a challenge because the model promotes that it only becomes a little bit difficult when now you cannot communicate with them well because perhaps you don't speak the same language or you don't speak french or you don't speak the 
but I am so lucky that I can be able to communicate. Some people in, in, in Congo speak Kinyarwanda, speak Swahili, which I, I, I do. And therefore, that has not really been a problem in these markets. Fascinating. Um, it definitely sounds like your experience and also that of, of Jibu uh, has been a positive one as you yeah. have leveraged um, local leaders in all of your areas, local entrepreneurs, and empowered them and just uh, shared the the common uh, learnings across each market and, and let those entrepreneurs apply what is, is relevant. Now, just as we start to wrap up our conversation, you uh, have shared with us how you leveraged this this strength, this superpower that you had in sales to then grow yourself as a leader. Um, just as we close out, can you share one or two things about um, things that you are continually developing as a leader or uh, any kind of uh, strategy or, or um, leadership tip that you follow uh, as you continue to, to grow your career? One of the things I continue doing, I think leadership, one thing, yeah, leadership and learning are very indispensable. Uh, you, cannot, you cannot say that you know it all uh, because different circumstances, different spaces uh, expose you to different challenges. And therefore, one thing I will continue to do and I continue to do is just to learn from my people, learn from my team, learn from external, be able to say, you know what, I want to learn. How do you do it? How are you able to? So my learning thirst is always on the top of my mind so that I can be able to learn as much as possible. And that is a foundation to really making sure that my leadership is, is also comes through. The other thing I continue to do is you can never work alone. I, uh, we, as we grow, as we, as we get into uh, advanced stages, it is important to create uh, to build leaders of tomorrow. So working as a team, collaborating and shadowing and nurturing people is good because that's the only way that what you have done can be sustainable. So I would really love to see uh, leaders, uh, maybe myself and those that even share, we share in the same space to really have room for young people to be able to take over from tomorrow. So we give them an opportunity to learn, but for them to learn, you also need to learn. So that, collaborate, that collaboration, that teamwork, that creating a space where people are free to make mistakes and be able to be uh, innovative is a very powerful, uh, uh, powerful tool that tomorrow you have people who can be able to, to, to take over leadership role. The other thing also, I, the last, perhaps the third one, is that I think having a very good one-on-ones, you know, as a leader, it's very good to create an environment where people can give you as much information. If you are kept away, because as your leader, you are in a space where people will either fear you or will give you space if you're an autocratic leader, if you're a authoritative leader, people will fear you. And when people fear you, that means there is always a gap. So there's so much that you miss out. Uh, from these people. So creating an environment that is uh, very collaborative, very uh, free, there is a lot of flexibility, you are approachable without dropping the ball and really uh, knowing what is supposed to be done and what's not supposed to be done. Uh, that kind of environment is good. Why? Because it creates a lot of innovation, 
it gives people exposure it builds it builds confidence you are able to identify traits skills of people and it's from that as a leader that you can be able to say well i think i have a good team that can take this family or this organization to another level so i would think that having that kind of environment where you execute one on ones you, you talk to people you you guide them you you will have to squeeze them here and there so that they can know they can stay within the guardrails but that space is a, is a very good one so those are the three things perhaps i can continue doing and i'll continue doing uh, to give me more about to learn more but also uh, execute the role of being a leader so that i can be able to you know have as much uh, funnels of learning and also uh, executing the learn learnings into leadership. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those thoughts and those reflections. Yeah. It's been inspiring yeah. yes. hearing you yeah. share yeah. your journey today. And I yeah. look forward to continuing to follow you uh, as you grow and as Jibu grows. Uh, you guys are doing yes. really important work with providing access to, to clean and affordable water in, in urban and rural areas. So um, thank you for your time today, Darlington. Thank you so much, Chris. I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to share these experiences.